millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to The Chat Returns, a mini-series of conversations about our relationships with the world's greatest animation studio, Studio Ghibli. I'm Michael Leader, and I've seen the lot of them. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and Michael's promised to teach me his magic. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Ghibli. Hello, Jake. We're back. And the chat has returned too. Oh, it's lovely to be back. The Baron guiding us to another mini-series. Although perhaps with a, a title that stems from a film that is slightly less beloved between you and I. But we can't resist a good pun in the title of our mini-series, can we? <laughs> so this is a follow-up to our Whispers from the Heart mini-series from the back end of 2020 where we just, we just love talking with people who either work for or love Ghibli, right? Yeah, and it turns out there are a lot more people out there uh, that want to talk about Studio Ghibli. And uh, in this episode, I suppose it's someone who has a, a very unique relationship to Studio Ghibli. A lot of the time in this series, we've been talking to maybe outsiders about what they love about the studio. But now we're going straight to the source. Well, someone who has sprung from the source as well. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking with Goro Miyazaki. And I, oh, this was such a treat. Of course, Earwig and the Witch, his new film for Studio Ghibli, is out in UK cinemas this week. But we, we talk about more than just that. He, he, of course, founded the Ghibli Museum way back when. He's also involved in the Ghibli Park, which is still being built for a future opening. And of course, he has a relationship with his dad, Hayao Miyazaki. So it was great to talk to him about not only his relationship with his dad, but also his working relationship with his own son, working Mm. in the world of animation during the pandemic. Well, and his relationship with maybe the hero of the podcast, Toshio Suzuki, too. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And uh, that's a sneak peek of who we have coming up in the next episode. But Jake, The Cat Returns was a film project that started as a tie-in for a theme park about cats, and it became a film. The Chat Returns, this mini-series, is a bit of a tie-in as well, right? Yeah. Some exciting news from Michael and I is that 
when we started this podcast and through many of our intros, we've said that we've leafed through the library of films from the world's greatest animation studio. And now we've actually written the book about them and we can uh, maybe get a little shelf on that library of our own. Well, maybe not a whole shelf, <laughs> maybe <laughs> space on that shelf. Yeah, the Ghibliotech book, it's coming out. It's coming out the first week of September in the UK, following in the States in October. It's been our little lockdown project, I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't say it's little. It takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of time to write a book, Michael, or unless you had a much easier time with it than I did. Um, but this is, I suppose, the book of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so readers who pick this up will journey through the films of Studio Ghibli, one film at a time. And you'll be getting what you get out of this show. You're getting Michael's amazing research about the history and context of all of these films, taking you on a journey through how they got made and the life of the studio. And then you've got my thoughts on them, uh, reviewing them critically as films, my first take reaction from them, and no longer a first take reaction, how I have come to enjoy these films on multiple rewatches. And it's, it's just been such a pleasure to spend a year going further down the rabbit hole of Ghibli than we thought we ever would. Absolutely. And for, for my part, it's been really fun returning to some of those films where we did the context on the podcast maybe two years ago at this stage and really going back to the books going back to the sources interviews finding all sorts of little tidbits and uh, bits of information and insights that we didn't talk about on the podcast so it's a really fun journey we go from Naushka the Valley of the Wind all the way up to Earwig so it's up to date it covers the whole span you know, Jake, you and I have now read quite a few books about Ghibli. We've talked about a few of them on the podcast. We've had some of the authors on the podcast. You know, Helen McCarthy's book on Hayao Miyazaki, absolute classic. Susan Napier's Miyazaki World, brilliant. It's such an honor to be on the shelf next to them. And the difference is that, you know, as with the podcast, it's all the films. So we have just as much space for a South Takahata. We dedicate a good chunky chapter to Whisper of the Heart. And then fittingly, for today's episode, we have lots of time for Goro Miyazaki. We certainly do. And I should just say that uh, that is not Goro's voice that you're going to be hearing for mm -hmm. the most part of this interview. Um, so Goro had a translator with him. And so, Michael, you were, um, you were having your questions relayed. And we get a little snippet of Goro before our translator takes over. So we're doing it sort of in a BBC News style where we'll have a little snippet of Goro, which will fade out and his interpreter fades in. If listeners, you find that a bit distracting, maybe you're a bit more familiar with the Japanese language than Jake and me, uh, you can go skip forward 15, 20 minutes towards the end of the podcast where we'll have the full interview to hear Goro in his own words. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Goro Miyazaki, thank you so much for talking with me today. I suppose first question, it's been 20 years this year since the opening of the Ghibli Museum. And this week that we're talking is when the museum is reopening after being closed for the pandemic with a special uh, attraction uh, puppet show uh, adapted from Earwig. And since you've been so involved in the whole history of the museum, I'd like to know what's your proudest moment of the last 20 years of the Ghibli Museum? I think it's just the fact that it, we were able to have it open for 20 years. <laughs> While we were making the, the museum, I was still young and it was hard for me to imagine what it would look like um, 20 years time. Um, but now looking back, um, you know, we were able to have uh, many, many people visit our museum and it's still continuing. And that's the biggest surprise for me. It's such a treat for us to visit there back in November 2019. It feels like so long ago now. I'm led to believe that you're involved in the Ghibli Park planning. And I wondered whether there's anything you can tell us about how that is going. And when the Ghibli Museum opened, there were certain principles and a vision behind it. Is there a similar vision behind the Ghibli Park? So with the Ghibli Museum, what I can say about it is that it all started from Hayao Miyazaki's design of the, the architecture. And so we've built that museum based on his design. And it was more, it wasn't, it was more about the, the building itself rather than the exhibits inside. So the biggest attraction or the most significant exhibit in that museum is the, the building um, itself, the form of it, and the fact that it was very authentic. Uh, we made sure that the, the with the, the materials that we used um, for the walls and all the, the metal um, parts were crafted with real life craftsmen rather than have a very sort of convenient way of just putting up um, something artificial. So that was the whole point of the, the Ghibli Museum. After the Ghibli Museum opened, um, there was an expo um, at um, the Aichi Prefecture here in Japan. And in that expo, uh, we actually build um, the house that um, appears in uh, my neighbor Totoro, um, the, the house where Mei and Satsuki visits. 
And uh, what we did was that um, it, we created this old house in the way that we, people used to build houses in the old days in Japan. Um, the, how we built it and the materials, everything was recreated um, like as they would do it in the old days with this old Japanese house. Um, so that was, um, and so that when people visit, they would be able to experience, um, they, they would think that they'll step into the world of that um, Totoro um, film. So that was, uh, that was the, 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 the park, the Ghibli park that we're building now is the extension of that. Um, in the park, you'll be able to see um, things and architecture that appear in Ghibli films um, built in a very authentic style, um, not fake. Well, as if we need another excuse to go to Japan again to visit the Ghibli Museum, going to the Ghibli Park will uh, give us that. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so across the course of our podcast, where we are really diving deep into all these the films individually, but also we talk about the history and the people behind them, we're always really fascinated to hear more about the people who make these films and maybe because of the way that certain books are translated there's certain focus on certain filmmakers over others I still don't feel we know you very well even though we may have enjoyed Tales from Earthsea from Up and Poppy Hill and now Earwig and the Witch whereas for some of the other filmmakers at Ghibli we know what film inspired them to become animators what books they read and I wondered it's sometimes hard to do on the spot but could you tell us a little bit of the books or the films, the manga, the anime that inspired you as a child that you still are inspired by today? So um, when I was growing up, um, so it was, it was Hayao Miyazaki, and the works of Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takahata's um, animation work that uh, we uh, watched a lot. Um, TV series like um, Heidi, um, the girl, and also um, Future Boy Conan, um, the animation series. Um, and also my generation, uh, we saw the, the, the whole sort of Japanese animation uh, movement um, happening. And um, there were animation TV series like the Space Battleship Yamato and also Gundam were hugely popular among the kids my, in, in my generation. So I used to watch those two on TV. Um, actually back then, um, Heidi and Space Battleship Yamato was on at the same time on different channels. And my pers I myself personally wanted to see Yamato more than Heidi, but then of course we had to watch Heidi in our family. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. I suppose it's part of the goal of our podcast because some of those series such as Future Boy Conan, I don't think has ever been shown in the UK or the US properly, but it's so important to a whole generation of Japanese animation. Hopefully one day we'll get the chance to see it properly. So yes, um, I hope you get to see the series because it was the first um, TV series that Hayao Miyazaki directed. And I feel that the series have those um, elements that's very unique about his um, works um, already in the series. So I hope you do get to see um, mm. the Future Boy Econo. Yeah. And are you inspired by contemporary films as well? I read somewhere that the look of Earwig, even though it's in 3D CGI, was inspired by stop motion films like by Leica or Aardman. Um, 
<laughs> not sure if this is good <laughs> to answer your question, but um, when you are at my, when you're at a point in my, in your life, like myself, um, you don't, um, so the, like whatever you watch doesn't have that same impact as it used to when you were younger. So you don't sort of obsess over certain things like you used to. However, I do love the works of um, studios like Artman and Leica, um, especially Artman. I love how they have a lot of dry humor in them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> And as I said, we're so fascinated by these names and personalities behind the films. And I wondered if I could ask you about a couple of people involved in all your films, but also Earwig, if you could give us an impression of who they are, what they do and how they impact your career. One is not a small name by any means. It's Toshio Suzuki, who may not be the director of these films, but once you read into the history, has had a huge impact in what we see as Studio Ghibli, particularly on your career. Could you give us a bit of a sense of what he gave you early in your career and what he still does now? <laughs> so he's the, the evil witch, no, the wizard, who drags me into doing things that are um, evil or Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the one who actually um, to, um, asked me to be involved in the, who invited me um, to um, be involved in um, building the Ghibli Museum. And also he's the person, he's the one who's te who tempted me into um, directing my first animation film, although I had no experience directing an animation film. And also he was the one um, to, who suggested that I do Eowig and the Witch in 3D CG. Interesting. I also read in one of the press conferences he gave around Earwig and the Witch that he said that the person that Earwig most reminded of him of was you. And why do you think that is? Probably I have a twisted personality. <laughs> Which I don't think that I have myself. <laughs> And I think that um, Toshio Suzuki is more earwig than myself. Mm. Um, because um, I, Toshio Suzuki, he kind of, he's good at manipulating or making Hayao Miyazaki, you know, to, to create all these great animation work. Um, and also he goes out and sort of maneuvers these um, people with money to fund our film. So he's very good at making people do what he wants them to do. So in that sense, I think he's very similar to Iwe than me. He's a fascinating character. We would love to speak to him someday. Everyone says we should. Uh, don't be deceived by him. <laughs> Someone else who has been involved in all your films and many of the films of the new Ghibli generation is Keiko Niwa, co-screenwriter. And her name always pops out because it's a, a female name involved in the scripts for these films that often have female protagonists. And I wonder what impact does she have and who is she? Because we know very little about her in the UK. So she is, she's actually an editor. She works as an editor for books, mm -hmm. um, but she's also a tremendously talented uh, scriptwriter. 
Um, and uh, what she's, what's great about her is she's very good at organizing things. So rather than focus on detail, she's able to, she's really good at building, building up uh, plot, uh, the framework for the mm. plot. So it's very, um, I, um, I really appreciate her um, working with her, especially at the early stages, so that I could get like the overall vision of the, 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 the film uh, in order to grasp that big art, the story arc at the early stage. That's a very important role in a production. My, my final question, watching Earwig, I was very struck by the image of Mandrake writing a book, shutting him away, himself away in his study, closing the door on his foster child. And I thought about myself uh, and many people like me in the last year, forced to work from home because of circumstances. You can see behind me this door, my two-year-old child would often be right behind that door all day long saying, will daddy come out soon? <laughs> and I wondered yourself as a person who works in animation, which is a very labor-intensive, time-consuming job, but also a family man, how do you balance those two things? I'm all you can do is do your best or try your best to uh, maintain that normality in life. So when I was a child growing up, um, Hayao Miyazaki, because he was doing a TV series, so he was very, very busy. So he would go to work um, um, so um, from morning to late at night. So he would usually get up after I'd leave um, after I go to school and um, he would usually come back after I go to bed and um, back in the days a lot of um, Japanese um, companies you know they um, people went to work even on Saturdays and when it's very busy he goes to work on Sundays too so basically he was a father who was absent from home so um, as a father myself um, I didn't want to be like that so um, I make sure that I get up early in the morning so that we can have breakfast as family and I try to go home early as possible so that we could have dinner together just those small things that I try to make sure that I do so that we have at least have a normal life at home as a family. I think that's the best the best advice that you can give is just try your best and be there when you can I think that's very wise thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's all the time we have. I'd love to talk further with you, but um, Gora Miyazaki, thank you so much for spending time speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Goro Miyazaki for speaking with me for the podcast this week. And thank you too to Zoe Flower at Elysian Films, who are releasing Earwig and the Witch in UK cinemas, which is in cinemas now. Michael, I think we should just take a moment to say congratulations. We got Miyazaki on the podcast. <laughs> in, in that classic way that Tales from Earthsea was a Miyazaki movie, we got a Miyazaki on the podcast. Yes, exactly. We certainly did. And he was absolutely lovely. <laughs> and he's also given us a little bit of a morsel for next week's episode when he talks about the dark wizard behind Studio Ghibli who makes him do things he doesn't want to do. The, the, the producer, Toshio Suzuki.
So we should uh, we should tee this up. What was amazing was halfway through that interview when I, I, I said we'd love to talk with Toshio Suzuki. You know, thank you for dropping a reference to him and talking about your relationship with him. Then an email appeared in my inbox <laughs> almost as as the interview was wrapping up, saying, "Do you want to talk to Suzuki?" And that's like one of the great emails I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. He'll be here next week, Toshio Suzuki, the hero of the podcast and the hero of the Ghibliotech book for sure. Uh, and so do keep your eyes peeled on any virtual shopping baskets you have, any wish lists and maybe even some bookshelves and some shops, depending on when you're listening to this for the Ghibliotech book. Um, if you want to keep up with us for any news about future episodes of the chat returns and information about the book you can follow us on twitter where we are at ghibliotech and michael you're over there at michael j leader and you can follow jake as well at jake h cunningham ghibliotech is a little dot studios production our music is made by anthony ing our artwork is by sophie mo and the show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts. That's me. I'm the editor as well. Goro Miyazaki, thank you so much for talking with me today. I suppose first question, it's been 20 years this year since the opening of the Ghibli Museum. And this week that we're talking is when the museum is reopening after being closed for the pandemic with a special uh, attraction uh, puppet show uh, adapted from Earwig. And since you've been so involved in the whole history of the museum, I'd like to know what's your proudest moment of the last 20 years of the Ghibli Museum? あの、ありがとうございます。ニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイヤーニューイ
で今,今はジブリーパークを手掛けているということで、うん、ミュージアムを立ち上げたときというのは、いくつかこういった、いわゆるなんていうのかな原則というか、そういったこう哲学的なものがあると思うんですけども、うん、ジブリーパークの方はどうなのか、うんえー、とそしてなんか教えてもらえないか。うん、なんだろうか。ジブリ,ジブリ美術館を、ジブリ美術館というのはその、まあ、建物のデザインをその宮崎駿がして。まあ、基本のデザインを作って、で、それをもとに僕らがこう一緒に作ってきたわけなんですけど、あの、その最初に考えたときは、その、中身が、あの、一番大事なんであって、建物そのものが一番の展示物。その、宮崎駿がその構想した建物を、本物の建物として建てるってことそのものが、一番大きな展示だろうっていうふうに考えてました。なので、その、なんだろうな、うん。建物っていったときに、まあ、形の面白さももちろんありますけど、なるべくその本物として作る、まあ、フェイクで作るって簡単なんですけど、例えばその土の壁であったら本物の土を使う、で鉄、ね、金属の材料があるんだったら、それはそのいわゆる鍛冶屋さんが作ったようなものだとか、そのいいものだったり、その今のようなそのインスタントに作れる建物じゃないものを作ろうっていう。考えてやってたんですよね。うん。っていうのがまあ一本ですね。はい。Well, um, this, um, the the answer is going to continue, but let me just translate that bit. Um, so with the Ghibli Museum, what I can say about it is that it all started from Hayao Miyazaki's design of the the architecture, and so we've built that museum based on his design, and it was more, it wasn't. It was more about the, the building itself rather than the exhibits inside. So, the biggest attraction or the most significant exhibit in that museum is the, the building、um, itself, the form of it, and the fact that it was very authentic.、Uh, we made sure that the, the, with the, the materials that we used、um, for the walls and all the, the metal、um, parts were. Crafted with real life craftsmen rather than have a very sort of convenient way of just putting up、um, something artificial. So that was the whole point of the, the Ghibli Museum. The Ghibli Museum was opened in the middle of the Ghibli Museum. The Ghibli Museum was opened in the middle of the えー、隣のトトロに出てくるサツキとメイの家っていうものをあの作りました。で、それが今回のジブリパークの一つのきっかけになってるんですね。で、その時にサツキとメイの家をどうやって作ったかっていうと、まあ、昔の、えー、日本の伝統的な建物の、えー、作り方、それから材料、そういったものを正確に再現して、まるでその家の中に入るとトトロの世界に入ったような建物を作ろうというふうに考えました。なのでその延長にあるジブリパークなので、えー、ジブリ作品いろんなジブリ作品に出てくる建物を本物として作るフェイクじゃなくてっていうのを今回もやっています。<笑><笑> So,、um, after the Ghibli Museum opened,、um, there was an expo um, at um, the Aichi Prefecture here in Japan. And in that expo,、uh, we actually built、um, the house that、um, appears in、uh, my neighbor Totoro,、um, the, the house where Mei and Satsuki visit. 
And uh, what we did was that um, it, we created this old house in the way that we, people used to build houses in the old days in Japan. Um, the, how we built it and the materials, everything was recreated um, like as they would do it in the old days with this old Japanese house. Um, so that was, um, and so that when people visit, they would be able to experience, um, they, they would think that they'll stepped into the world of that um, Totoro um, film. So that was, uh, that was the, 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 park, the Ghibli park that we're building now is the extension of that. Um, in the park, you'll be able to see um, things and architecture that appear in Ghibli films um, built in a very authentic style, um, not fake. Well, as if we need another excuse to go to Japan again to visit the Ghibli Museum, going to the Ghibli Park will uh, give us that. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so across the course of our podcast, where we are really diving deep into all these the films individually, but also we talk about the history and the people behind them, we're always really fascinated to hear more about the people who make these films and maybe because of the way that certain books are translated there's certain focus on certain filmmakers over others i still don't feel we know you very well even though we may have enjoyed tales from earth sea from open poppy hill and now earwig and the witch whereas for some of the other filmmakers at ghibli we know what film inspired them to become animators what books they read and i wondered it's sometimes hard to do on the spot but could you tell us a little bit of the books or the films, the manga, the anime that inspired you as a child that you still are inspired by today? はい、ということで、このポッドキャストでは毎回ジブリのいろいろな面を掘り下げていくんですけども、特にやはりジブリにの、に携わっている人たちに焦点を当てて、いろいろこう、えっと、特集をすることがあるんですけれども、あの、な
animation TV series like the Space Battleship Yamato and also Gundam were hugely popular among the kids my, in, in my generation. So I used to watch those two on TV. Um, actually, back then, um, Heidi and Space Battleship Yamato was on at the same time on different channels. And my I myself personally wanted to see Yamato more than Heidi, but then of course we had to watch Heidi in our families. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. I suppose it's part of the goal of our podcast because some of those series such as Future Boy Conan, I don't think has ever been shown in the UK or the US properly, but it's so important to a whole generation of Japanese animation. Hopefully one day we'll get the chance to see it properly. So yes, um, I hope you get to see the series because it was the first um, TV series that Hayao Miyazaki directed. And I feel that the series have those um, elements that's very unique about his um, works um, already in the series. So I hope you do get to see um, mm. the Future Boy Econo. Yeah, and are you inspired by contemporary films as well? I read somewhere that the look of Earwig, even though it's in 3D CGI, was inspired by stop motion films like by Leica or Aardman. うん。本当になると映画を見て若い頃のようにガーンってならないんですよ。なんだろう、もう好きで好きてたまらなくなるっていうことはまああまりないので、うん、なんかあれですね。あんまり答えになってないです。Not <笑> sure if this going to ask your question, but um when you are at my when you are at a point in my in your life like myself, um you don't um so the, the, like whatever you watch doesn't have that same impact as it used to when you were younger. So you don't sort of obsess over certain things like you used to. um, however, I do love the works of um, studios like Artman and Leica, um, especially Artman. I love how they have a lot of dry humor in them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, we're so fascinated by these names and personalities behind the films. And I wondered if I could ask you about a couple of people involved in all your films, but also Earwig, if you could give us an impression of who they are, what they do and how they impact your career. One is not a small name by any means. It's Toshio Suzuki, who may not be the director of these films, but once you read into the history, has had a huge impact in what we see as Studio Ghibli, particularly on your career. Could you give us a bit of a sense of what he gave you early in your career and what he still does now? 
あの作品に関する他の方についてもお聞きしたいんですけれども、まずあの鈴木敏夫あのプロデューサー、まあ、彼はその監督ではないにしても、少しスタジオジブリに欠かせない存在だと思うんですけれども、特にコローパンとかの、まあ、キャリアにとって彼がどんな存在なのか、どういう意味を持つのか。えー、と彼は僕をあの悪い道に誘う魔法使いですね。悪い魔法使いって言った方がいいですかね。<laughs> so he's the, the evil witch, no, the wizard who drags me into doing things that are、um, evil or bad. Because he's the one who actually um, to,、um, asked me to be involved in the, who invited me um, to um, be involved in、um, building the Ghibli Museum. And also, he's the person, he's the one who's te who tempted me into、um, directing my first animation film, although I had no experience directing an animation film. And also, he was the one、um, to, who suggested that I do Eowig and the Witch in 3D CG. Interesting. I also read in one of the press conferences he gave around Eowig and the Witch that he said that the person that Eowig most reminded him of was you. And why do you think that is? Aya ni chiban chikai hito っていうのが五郎監督だっていうふうに鈴木監督、あ鈴木プロデューサーが言ってたらしいんですけど、社会見です。なぜそういうふうに言ったんだと思います？性格が悪いからじゃないですかね。Probably I have a twisted personality. Which I don't think that I have myself. よっぽど鈴木さん、鈴木敏夫の方がアヤです。And I think that、um, Toshio Suzuki is more eowig than myself. He's good at manipulating or making Hayao Miyazaki, you know, to, to create all these great animation work.、Um, and also, he goes out and sort of maneuvers these、um, people with money to fund a film. So, he's very good at making people do what he wants them to do. So, in that sense, I think he's very similar to Iwe than me. He's a fascinating character. We would love to speak to him someday. Everyone says we should. Don't be deceived by him. <laughs> Someone else who has been involved in all your films and many of the films of the new Ghibli generation is Keiko Niwa, co screenwriter. And her name always pops out because it's a, a female name involved in the scripts for these films that often have female protagonists. And I wonder what impact does she have and who is she? Because we know very little about her in the UK. 
あの三輪恵子さん、まあ、脚本をすごく手がけられていますけれども、まあ、特に今回、その女性の主人公というところで、でまあ、イギリスのファンの方は彼女のことをあまり知らないので、まあ、どういう方なのかという、また仕事をしてどうですかと。まあ、普段はあは本の編集の仕事をしている人なんですけど、あのまあ、実はシナリオライターとしてもすごく優秀な人。で、彼女の優れているところは、そのなんだろう。ものすごく一般した整理整頓ができるっていうんですかね。要するにディティールをその書くってことよりも、そのお話の骨子を組み立てていくのがとても上手。うん。うん、ので彼女が最初にいてくれるととてもこうなんていうかな、えっ、ー、と全体のビジョンを掴みやすくなるっていうことはありますよね。うん、so she Is she's actually an editor? She works as an editor for books,、mm-hmm. um, but she's also a tremendously talented、um, scriptwriter.、Um, and、uh, what she's, what's great about her is she's very good at organizing things. So rather than focus on detail, she's able to, she's really good at building, building up、uh, plot, uh, the framework for the、mm-hmm. plot. So it's very,、um, I, lo-、um, I really appreciate her、um, working with her, especially at the early stages, so that I could get like the overall vision of the, 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 the film、uh, in order to grasp that big arc, the story arc at the, the early stage. That's a very important role in a production. My, my final question watching Earwig, I was very struck by the image of Mandrake. Writing a book, shutting him away, himself away in his study, closing the door on his foster child. And I thought about myself、uh, and many people like me in the last year, forced to work from home because of circumstances. You can see behind me this door. My two year old child would often be right behind that door all day long saying, Will daddy come out soon? And I wondered yourself, as a person who works in animation, which is a very labor intensive, time consuming job, but also a family man. How do you balance those two things? そうですねあのなんとか普通の人の生活ができるように努力するっていうことですかね。<笑> All you can do is do your best, or try your best to、uh, maintain that normality in life. I know, 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 まあ、当時はまだ土曜日は普通にそのオフィスに行くっていう、まあ、日本でそうだったので,でなおかつ忙しいと彼は日曜日も仕事に行くということで、まあ、家にいないお父さんだったんですよね、うん、だからそうならないように心がけるだから朝はちゃんと起きて家族で一緒にご飯を食べるとかあの夜もなるべく家に帰ってご飯を食べるようにするとか、まあ、そういう当たり前の
通だったら当たり前っていうことを頑張ってやろうとしてるっていうそういう感じですかね。うん So, when I was a child growing up, I'm Hayao Miyazaki because he was doing a TV series. So, he was very, very busy. So, he would go to work um, he,、um, so, um, from morning to late at night. So, he would usually get up after I leave,、um, after I go to school. And、um, he would usually come back after I go to bed. And、um, back in the days, a lot of um, Japanese um, companies, you know, they,、um, people went to work even on Saturdays. And when it's very busy, he goes to work on Sundays too. So basically, he was a father who was absent from home. So、um, as a father myself,、um, I didn't want to be like that. So、um, I make sure that I get up early in the morning so that we can have breakfast as family. And I try to go home early as possible so that we could have dinner together. Just those small things that I try to make sure that I do so that we at least have a normal life at home as a family. I think that's the best, the, the best advice that you can give is just try your best and be there when you can. I think that's very wise. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the time we have. I'd love to talk further with you, but、um, Gora Miyazaki, thank you so much for spending time speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.